You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back here on Locked On Phoenix Suns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns in the NBA at SB Nation as well as Dime Magazine, and you can follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. But follow our show on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSuns as well to follow through the NBA Finals. That's what we're here to talk about. We're trying video for the first time. I'm joined by my man Brandon, as always, on uh, most of these, these recap shows lately. And we're here to talk about the Suns beating the Milwaukee Bucks 118-105. to We'll get into why Chris Paul being aggressive was so huge for this team. We'll talk about all the ways that the Suns dismantled the Bucks' defense. Basically, any time that Milwaukee tried anything. But let's start with our, our main takeaways here, Brandon, because um, we saw... Giannis Antetokounmpo was a game-time decision after being doubtful in uh, in the early part of the day. The second injury report, which I don't even know why there are two injury reports, he upgraded to questionable. So he comes out, he looks good. What do you uh, make of him playing and then also what he looked like? Yeah, the injury update today was kind of a roller coaster from you know the Bucks side and all the national reporters. So um, he definitely looked a lot healthier than I thought he would, and I'm happy because I think it's going to make the series a lot more interesting and competitive. So uh, that chase down block was ridiculous. Uh, you know, some blocks by James flashbacks, and saw that on Twitter all over the place. <laughs> but um, yeah, overall, great performance by the Suns. I think that's probably, honestly, probably the best that the big three have played together in the playoffs um, all at once. So just an all-around great game and, you know, another podcast another great game to, to recap so it seems like i've hit the jackpot lately so happy to be back you are the lucky charm you are the lucky charm um before we get into any more of this folks today's episode is brought to you by spotify green room download the green room app and join us every single friday afternoon to get in on the action but yeah let's 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 get more into this game because um, again, Giannis 20-17-4, and four, the Suns win by 13, Giannis is just a plus one, plays 35 minutes, which you'd think with Middleton playing 45, Drew Holiday playing 40, that ideally, if, if Giannis was fully healthy, he would have played more, um, but I also think at the same time, like, the reality is, I think there were people who felt like, you know, a compromised version of Giannis, a Giannis who can't go 100% was going to hurt the Bucks. I never really understood that. I think him being able to maybe play fewer minutes but still be aggressive, still be assertive, that version of of that of of him of of a two-time MVP is more than enough to make this competitive series. This game was competitive. What I think made the difference though is the Suns just came out with the game plan. They looked more poised, they looked more ready for this and as we've seen them do when they're at their best, had a big first quarter with 30 points. Uh, what did you see early from the Suns? Were you expecting a big start? Were you expecting nerves? What, what did you make of, of the first quarter for them? Yeah, it was a little bit of both, just kind of like that, the nerves, like playing into the crowd and all that. Just uh, a lot better start than that Clippers game when it went down 20 to 5 early with some of those same nerves. So just, it seems like game one, they're just ready to go. They won every single game one of every series so far. So just bringing that fire from the start, I think, is important. And um, 
you know, Chris started off pretty slow, honestly. So to see him turn it up the way he did too, after a slow start for him personally, offensively, uh, was great. And I think those finishing touches in the third quarter to really create distance is ultimately what kind of gave him that separation they needed. But uh, yeah, the strong start was very important. I think just getting the crowd into it because you know, the Bucks were getting their way the first couple of possessions, and I thought the Suns answered back uh, pretty nicely. Yeah, I think it was a game of runs, and I think the final score is going to make it seem like it was a less close game than it actually was. Um, but you know, just to, to break down some of why I think that happened, I think you know we saw the Suns go right to eight and on Giannis, which was a question: Were they going to have? Crowder do that? Were they going to just go to, to Aiton right away? What was that that matchup going to look like? They just started with Aiton. Um, but they're ready for some adjustments, right? Like we saw P.J. Tucker on Chris Paul. They attack that. We'll get into more of the, the kind of geeky details of how they're able to do that. But it just felt like the Suns, they said after the game, they prepared for yes Giannis, no Giannis. They, compare, they prepared for, you know, the Bucks switching versus dropping versus all the questions we all talked about getting ready to preview this series. The Suns seemed, they, they said they had an answer for all of it or had prep for all of it, and they came out playing that way. And uh, I, I just think, like, you saw Giannis have to leave the game with eight minutes left in the first quarter. He checks out early, comes back at the end of the first quarter. Um, nothing really seemed to phase the Suns. And Devin Booker gets out to a hot start. Giannis does as well, but... Again, 30 to 26 in that first quarter. Um, we got to talk about this crowd, though, because I really do think in these moments it does make a difference early in a game when there might be some nerves, when there might be, you know, some some hesitancy. Everybody but Jay Crowder is in their first finals in the building that t- tonight. And so I'm curious what it felt like for you in the arena or at home. And then I'll uh, I'll give what it felt like in the arena, which I'm sure people can guess. Yeah, so I've been to every series so far, and it seems like it's just progressively gotten louder and louder. So I was I had some question marks about the, the finals. You know, I'm thinking, you know, it's pricing out all the loud fans and all that. So I was like, you know, we'll see. I'm sure people will be hyped, but I'm not sure if it's going to be on the Denver level or even the Clippers level. But it was past both those. I think you could hear it on the TV. Just uh, the first time Giannis went to the free throw line, uh, the announcers were trying to talk. I don't, I'm not sure what they said. I don't think anyone heard them because... <laughs> All you could hear is just the numbers just counting up. And uh, I have a little complaint. Like, I'm glad, you know, they're, they're getting in his head, but let's count down, please. Can we, like, make that back? Because counting, like, up just does not put pressure on him to, like, release it. I, I just think it's, it's just a better strategy to count down uh, from 10 instead of, you know, doing the whole counting thing. Because for the Hawks, Hawks fans learn pretty quick that it almost, like, put him in a rhythm, some portions of that series. But, but yeah, the crowd was sensational. Looks like a giant party, and uh, yeah, the Suns fans brought it. They did, and you, I mean, you nailed it. I, I think you're right on counting down, but the Suns fans were ready to to count on Giannis. They were completely freaking out from the moment that Al McCoy's voice rang out for the pregame video, which was a cool touch uh, from from the Suns content folks. And I do think it made a difference. I think it made a difference in how the Suns were able to get out to a good start, to feel comfortable, to feel confident. I mean, Chris Paul said he's so engaged with the game he doesn't notice, but I have to think guys like Cam Payne or DeAndre Ayton, Cam, uh, Mikhail Bridges, I mean, who you can tell feed off that type of stuff. I'm sure that it made a difference. But just in general, I mean, the Suns had an answer for every single thing that I think the Bucks wanted to throw at them. We can get into later. 
if maybe Mike Budenholzer should have tried a little bit more, things that maybe the Suns were not so ready for. But despite Giannis coming in kind of last minute, and despite the you know Milwaukee trying some 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 interesting stuff, they had an answer. And I, I think kind of from top to bottom that board that bared itself out. But you can't talk about those answers without talking about Chris Paul. So let's get uh, let's get more into Chris Paul's big game, his first ever NBA Finals game. He answers big time. We'll do that right after a quick break. First, folks, though, a quick word from Spotify Greenroom, the first ever social audio platform made just for sports fans. The app is free to download. Once you're in, you can talk with me, Brandon, other fans, athletes, insiders in real time about these sons, the NBA, or any sport you're interested in. We host shows every single Friday, meaning you can join in on the Locked On Suns conversation. And Green Room overall is just a perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You find fans again, you watch parties for games like the finals, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, anytime there's big news or rumors, someone will be on, on Green Room talking about it. So again, Friday afternoons, me, Brandon, Locked on Suns, we'll have it one this week after game two, getting you ready for game three, midway through the series as we head back to Milwaukee. Always a good time. All you got to do to follow us is download the Green Room app. Follow me, that's the same as it is on Twitter, at BrendanClean14. Join the NBA group. You'll get a notification when we go live, and you can talk Suns right along with us. Again, can't wait to hear everyone's Suns thoughts this Friday. Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. Okay, Brandon, let's let's jump into Chris Paul's game. I'll read the stat line. 32 points, 9 assists, just 2 turnovers, His 73 points over the past two games, according to ESPN Stats and Info, are the most in a two-game stretch that he has ever had, Um, and obviously can't think of two games better to do it in. Clinching his first game in the NBA, or his first time to the NBA Finals, and then winning his first game in the NBA Finals. We talked about on our part of the preview show that you have to get an aggressive version of Chris Paul just with how the Bucks defend. They got that. They're going to need to continue to get it. And uh, he's probably the number one reason that they come away with a win tonight. Yeah, and it shouldn't come as any surprise for anyone. Uh, there's a reason he's the point god. I don't think the question's ever been, can he produce in the finals? It's just been a tough road for him to get there with all the things that's happened to him in the past. And even this series, I mean, the, the shoulder injury, um, going through COVID protocols and, uh, you know, fracturing some bones in his hand and tonight landing on awkwardly on the ankle. That was a scary moment that uh, thought they dodged a bullet. And yeah, he's been pretty beat up. Yeah, I think that looked, I think that looked worse on the broadcast than it did in the building. Cause I yeah. saw a bunch of people on Twitter freaking out I wasn't freaking and he, it. he was good. It looks like just like a mile. Obviously it's easy for me to say, just not sitting at home, but it, it was one of those things that you just have to play through the pain and it didn't look super serious so I wasn't initially concerned but uh you know you just don't want him to get any more beat up than he already is because it's been a bit of rough playoff for him but he played like you said just the last two games have been incredible just kind of carried over um but it was a little bit of a slow start I think he was over his first four or five maybe um so there's some a little bit of maybe jitters even for a 36 year old uh but overall yeah classic Chris Paul game uh just solidifying his legacy and uh, it shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone. And I think now that they're in rhythm, the Suns team is starting to finally show uh, what they've been doing all year. And, you know, him missing those two games and getting thrown in the middle of the series, uh, the Clippers series, I think kind of threw them out of whack a little bit. So now 
we're picking those pieces up. And tonight, I think you saw what, you know, the sons that we've all come to know and love. Yeah, and it's almost a cliche, I think, among Suns fans at this point that the best version of this Suns team is when they run their stuff. Like David Nash on Twitter is constantly, you know, tooting that horn and everything. But it is true. Like, they are going to be at their best when they turn what they do on offense into a a weapon that can beat what the opponent is doing. It's not that Mm -hmm. they're not going to adjust or have a game plan, but it's like, what version of our offense can we run to take advantage of what the opponent is going to do? And you just saw Chris Paul coming out again, not to, to keep saying it, but with a plan and he did miss some shots early, but they were finding Deandre Ayton um, a little bit early when he had a mismatch, they were, um, you know, running from the jump, which is something we begged them to do against the Clippers. Um, And despite the Bucks continuing to switch, which I think was pretty unexpected for a lot of fans that, they would have Lopez out on the perimeter. The Suns were ready for it, and Chris Paul made them pay for doing that. So I think he, you know, his brain probably more so than almost anything else was really what helped them, what helped propel them to the win. Um, what else stood out to you from his performance, though? Because he kind of did everything for this team tonight. He was the the pace engine. He was the playmaker. He was a scorer. It was, it was a, a complete all-around game. Yeah, I think a lot of credit also has to go to the coaching staff for getting them so prepared because this is, I think, the most, probably the most locked in they've looked from top to bottom, you know, start to finish. They, you know, they were playing competitive basketball. They were running their sets. Um, they didn't make a ton of mistakes. And uh, I think Chris just, he's finally in that rhythm where, you know, especially from game six, obviously that type of stuff can carry over, even with a little bit of a layover between games. I just thought he looked really under control and uh, just, you know, dictating the pace, getting Aiton involved, uh, letting Book do his thing, and finding the uh, shooters in the corners. You know, shout out Cam Johnson, who's been incredible in his relocation. Uh, you know, being in the right place at the right time, he's been so awesome. And, uh, like, I think you tweeted out earlier that he's probably been the, their best wing the past two series. So, just the most consistent two-way wing on this roster. But I think Chris just does a great job of getting everyone involved keeping everyone happy, making sure the ball is not stopping. There's no hero ball, which we've seen in the past. It's just, uh, it's not what their identity is. And tonight, just the execution was top notch. And that's why they won. Yeah, that aggressiveness, it manifests in a lot of different ways, like you said. I mean, we agreed before the series that, you know, just in terms of the, the drop coverage that Brooke Lopez likes to do, that presented an obvious opportunity for them to have Chris Paul be more of a scorer, but he was doing that. But he was also, again, attacking the switches. He, like you said, was getting the ball out to the corners, which is supposed to be something that the Bucks take away, and, and they do. But I think it's also, it's it's a battle of strengths right now where the Bucks love to take that away. The Suns love to create those shots, and it's kind of which one's going to win out. And I think tonight uh, the Suns were able to get enough of those. Cam Johnson um Mikhail Bridges I think had at least one of his come from the corner I think Chris Paul himself even had a corner three so they were clearly hunting that taking advantage of the Bucks help defense all of that's a lot of that I don't say all but a lot of that's coming from Chris Paul I think the coaching staff thing is a good point too though because the Suns had 20 fast break points in this game um the pace was absurd I think it was um Jeff John Schumann from the NBA, who was tweeting out that the Suns had, I think, 45 or so possessions in the first half of 
the last game, which was already a pretty fast game. And in the first half of this game, they were at like 53. Um, the pace ended at 99.4 possessions per 100 or per 48 minutes. So a quick game and 20 fast break points. Chris Paul said Willie Green was at the uh, the kind of the microphone, so to speak, with that, begging them to get the ball across the floor, across the half court mark. It's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that the the there's there's smoke where that fire is to be sure. And every game the Suns win, getting closer to the finals, and Chris Paul shouting him out is is probably making it more likely that the Suns lose him. But you're right. I think that it was it was the the game plan stuff that we talked about in the first segment, and Chris Paul understanding that to pull all of that off, he needed to come into this game. Um, at, at the top of his the top of his game and it's not always comfortable for him I don't think like he was talking post game about how book and, and Aiton kind of have to get on him sometimes like let's move the ball let's get down the floor but uh, I think he he gets what he has to do you're right about the jitters um it just feels like he is really at the peak of his powers at 36 years old as a scorer and a playmaker right now yeah, definitely. I probably sound like a broken record. I think we both kind of beat the drum on this tirelessly, but the pace is so important. Just pushing the ball off misses, I think that's something that, especially when their offense is in like a little bit of a, a rut, you need to run. And you have so many wings that can slash and uh, you know players that can make wide-open threes. So you have to give yourself those opportunities uh, when you're not getting easy buckets from the half court, especially against you know a team as big as Milwaukee. Because, they, like I said, they like to shrink the court use their length and you saw like in, in flashes how good that defense can be when they're set. So I think the transition games are going to be the key all series long. And the fact that Chris uh, picked it up, uh, you know, and when you combine that with campaign, who's constantly pushing the ball down the court, it's a really good recipe for just a consistent offensive flow. And this is the best their offense has looked all season. So I uh, can't say enough about the coaching staff and both point guards for just keeping that tempo up. Yeah, Payne is, is a good one to shout out as well. Back to his mostly efficient self, 10 points tonight. And uh, you probably feel like campaign is behind Chris Paul, pushing him to be aggressive as well. They, they don't actually really like play the same style, but somehow they've kind of taken the best out of each other. And another reason that, that I think Chris feels comfortable playing so so fast is because he looks when Payne's out there and he's like, damn, that, that works. Like maybe I should, should do the same. So he definitely, um, kind of had everything at his disposal tonight again and continues to, as you said, when this is so close for him, push and push and push. And I think we're going to see more of that from him until it's done. Um, but Let's get it a, a little bit geeky here and kind of break down how the Suns were able to punish the Bucks because we talked a lot about the X's and O's of this series heading into it and everything we've been talking about up to this point. The Suns' readiness, Chris Paul's aggressiveness, it all kind of came together with them just completely dominating whatever Milwaukee threw at them and it's leaving me kind of wondering, what is there left for Milwaukee to do? So we'll get into that in just a second. First though, folks, a quick word from Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the planet, my favorite protein bar, and the purveyors of a delicious new flavor, Grasshopper Cookie, which I've been bragging to all of you about for weeks that I got to try. Now you get to try it as well. It's only available through July 9th. So 
Gotta take advantage quick, but it's basically the Built Bar version of a classic Thin Mint cookie. All the flavor without all of that sugar. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 5 grams of sugar. I do not know how they do it with the sugar. You could convince me that there was four times that much, and I'd believe you with how delicious these things are. In addition to the Grasshopper Cookie, folks, there is always the favorites to go back to, whether that is double chocolate, my personal favorite, or something like orange. They do a really good job with the fruit flavors. You wouldn't expect it. I haven't had a protein bar that tastes like fruit except for Built Bar, but they have mastered it. It's delicious. All of the flavors are tasty, healthy, low sugar, high protein, exactly what you want. So try your favorite again today or pick up the Grasshopper Cookie, folks. It's delicious. You will love it. Go to Built.com and use the promo code Locked On to get 15% off your next order. Again, promo code Locked On for 15% off at Built.com. Today's show also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action. We have McGregor's fight this weekend. Wimbledon's still going on. I love betting on sports that I don't know because I don't get in my own head about it. But if you're an NBA fan, you're a diehard, you want the Suns to win, it's all you can think about. Maybe throw some money on the Suns. There are NBA finals odds everywhere, abound. They're all over the place. There's a ton of props. There's a ton of odds for games, series odds. Finals MVP. I mean, I, I think that's probably leaned in one direction toward Chris Paul since the series started after what he did tonight. But Bet Online is your one-stop shop for all of it, folks. News, sign-up bonuses, and contest info right on their website, betonline.ag, or on their mobile app. When you get there, you're going to make an account, put a little bit of money in to start yourself off, and when you do, use the promo code Locked On to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. Again, first deposit at BetOnline, use the promo code Locked On and get a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right. Closing out the show... I'll give you the floor, Brandon. We saw the Suns, or we saw the Bucks rather, switch Brooke Lopez. It's something that they did when Trey Young went down in the Bucks Hawks series in the last round. They kept doing it, kind of bizarrely, in my opinion. I did not think that's where they would go. And Brooke Lopez got toasted. Minus 17 in the plus minus column tonight. And he played a solid game executing what he was asked to do, but it felt like the coaching staff kind of put him in a bad spot. Yeah, and as good as the Bucks' defense is, I said this on the last pod, I just think the Suns' strengths are just a perfect uh, counter to what they're good at, and that's one way, just a mid-range game and uh, feeding DeAndre on the smaller defenders that you have to shoot right over the top of, and uh, just the combination of just, you know, who are you going to let beat you, and the Suns just have so many people that can can do that. And uh, Mikel Bridges, you know, he wasn't the most efficient, but the fact that he got up 13 shots, you know, you love to see that. They need to get him more involved, so... I just thought just, uh, you know, Jay Crowder, you know, God bless his soul, you know, going over eight, he's never going to lose confidence and he's huge defensively. But, you know, the fact that they're getting those two guys involved and uh, the big three all got clicking together is just a perfect recipe for, you know, the Bucks really didn't know what to do. And Bobby Cordes as your defensive anchor is also probably not the best strategy. Um, but at the same time, they don't have a ton of alternatives. Like you said, like there's not much they can do personnel wise at this point. Um, other than maybe trying, you know, Giannis and PJ as your bigs and going small, but the Suns are built to counter that as well. So there's only so much you can do. I just think the Suns' balance is what makes them so dangerous, and that always has made them who they are. Um, tonight, their, their big three were the main guys that stepped up, but 
you know, they're still getting other guys involved and making the Bucks defense honest. So, you know, that combination just makes them uh, really hard to beat. Yeah, pretty impossible to beat. I mean, I, I really just have a hard time imagining many teams. I think the only way you can beat the Suns when they're doing this level of offensive execution is to just have a superstar on the other side who is so good individually that he can basically make up for his whole team's offense and keep up with the Suns because the Suns do it by committee. You would need a Kevin Durant, a LeBron James, a Steph Curry at the peak of their powers, I think, to compete against this type of Suns execution. But just to break a little bit of, of what we re- really were seeing down, so I said they started switching. I My notes say about um, Lopez came back in about the seven-minute mark for, um, for Giannis, and about this five-minute mark is when I thought the Suns started to get really aggressive. They were putting... Um, calling for screens to get Brooke. If they, they knew he was going to switch, so they would call for a screen with his man to get him onto a ball handler. We saw after that that they attacked Portis, um, that they were identifying it very quickly. Then we see they try not to switch, and P.J. Tucker is on Chris Paul, fighting over screens while Brooke Lopez drops, like we talked about would be their default it didn't end up being their default they went to it in the second half and Chris Paul is finding DeAndre Ayton on the roll in space after kind of getting into the teeth of the defense doing a pretty good Steve Nash impression frankly of of drawing the help from the big man and then finding the guy at the rim and by then the Suns had about a 20 point lead because they had basically deconstructed both strategies by the Bucks and Paul was hot. The shooters were hot. Booker was hot. Aiton had it going. And they were running off of misses. It just kind of catapulted into a situation where the Bucks didn't have much to do. Yeah, especially when the two cams are going, too, on the bench. That just makes it nearly impossible. And, you know, they just brought it consistently. And that's the key with this team. And, you know, this third quarters throughout the year have been their, their way of creating some separation. Um, obviously, the Bucks fought back and went on a little bit of a shooting rampage themselves, but uh, I just thought the, the balance is, is really nice to see. And just a crazy DeAndre Ayton's that. Like, shout out to him. I mean, he's, that was probably one of the most quiet 2020 or like near 2020 games I've ever seen, but that's what he does. He's just constantly attacking the glass. Um, you know, players with 20 plus points, 15 plus rebounds on 80 plus goal goal percent in an NBA finals game in the shot clock era. Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Will Chamberlain, Will Chamberlain and DeAndre Hayden. So, you know, pretty good group. I Make them out rush more. <laughs> yeah, let's start chiseling uh, Camelback Mountain with their faces now. Uh, did you speak? I have. It's not even related to the finals, but it happened on the internet and it relates to the NBA. So, I'm. Did you see Andre Drummond tweeting tonight? Kareem Abdul Drummond. Yeah, I saw that. Did you see? It? He I, also tweeted Suns and Four later. Oh, he did. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Well, I can't clown him then. If he's like selling merch, comparing himself to Kareem, but if he wants the Suns to win in four, then I guess I take back any anything I said. And the Suns already beat him, so I guess we've had our fun there. But um, having a rough day. Right I think you just need to put the phone down. Or, I don't know. It's pretty funny though. There's, yeah. there's a bunch of tweets that are pretty hilarious. He uh, he. Let's wish him the best. He has a, a hell of a contract negotiation awaiting him 
after the way that the Suns made him look. But uh, back to some of this, like you said, the third quarter, because I do want to talk about some of the things the Bucks did well, because like I said, it was a close game. And I think a big part of that was Chris Middleton. Um, Middleton went on a 5-0 run in the second quarter to tie the game at 45. Suns opened the third quarter on an 8-3 run as part of a third quarter that they would go on to win by eight points themselves in total. But Middleton uh, responds to that pretty effectively with a couple of pull-up threes. In the fourth quarter, they go to a Giannis-Middleton front court. Really, really small. No Porter, no t- or no Portis, no Tucker. And Middleton just starts draining threes. Um, so I do think, you know, he... They probably need to have a better plan, a higher pickup point on him in in the half court so that he's not just walking into threes like that. You know, I think they lost focus on a couple of those, just feeling good about themselves scoring and, and not taking into consideration he might be able to do that, which he's more than capable of. They cut the lead, Gian, uh, Giannis and the Bucks did, to seven at one point, I believe in the late third or maybe even the fourth quarter. And a lot of that was because of Middleton. So, um, what, what do you think the Bucks can exploit? What did you maybe see that they were doing that was effective? Maybe it's Middleton, maybe it's something else that we should kind of be watching out for that might make the, you know, game two or game three a little bit closer. Uh, I think going small a little more frequently, just with Giannis as your five is a interesting way. Just surrounding with some of those shooters that you're going to have to play anyways. So like Bryn Forbes, Connington, Middleton, uh, just try to create the most spacing possible. That's probably your best chance at uh, busting open a game and going on a run. Um, but yeah, I think Middleton, there's a couple where he just, like you said, he walked in the threes and it was a little bit too easy for him. Uh, there's one on Crowder, another one on uh, Bridges later in the game. So uh, I think the Suns <clears throat> need to do a better job of just picking him up, making him uncomfortable because, like I said before, like he can pretty much shoot over anyone. His release is after place and he's a great scorer, but you do have to put a little more pressure on him. So I think just that two-man game of Middleton and Giannis is is pretty much the Bucks' uh, only way to really create offense at this point. Drew Holiday, like if I'm a Bucks fan, like at this point, you know, they lost the game and Drew did not look great. So that's one thing they can try to bank on is like, you know, Drew's not going to play this poorly again, hopefully um, for them. So that's another avenue that could uh, come back in game two and make a difference if they get a better, uh, more efficient through offensively because, you know, it was pretty rough for him. I'm not going to lie, but uh, overall, I think going smaller and trying to stop the Suns in transition, easier said than done, but that's, that's what they've been great at throughout the playoffs. These are two teams that are great in transition defense. So uh, the Bucks trying to eliminate that and just, you know, finding the shooters more often. Yeah, I think it wouldn't surprise me if we saw a slower game in the future. I think freeing Middleton and Holiday up for easier shots in the half court needs to be a priority because I agree with you. Holiday, I just think it took him until the fourth quarter to even start playing aggressively, which is the biggest issue. If he, you know, had taken a bunch of shots and you felt like he was making an impact on the game and he just happened to miss them or, you know, had a high turnover game or something. That's passable, but you can't come into a, a finals game where your best player is is hurt and questionable and all this and and walk in and, and not have a mentality that you need to score at a high level. I know Holiday doesn't always have that that edge to him as a scorer, but he's going to need it, I think, in this series. I agree with you on playing small. I actually think Pat Connaughton and Bryn Forbes like weren't as 
much of, you know, chopped liver as I kind of thought they might be. So, you know, with another game of prep, do we see the Suns go at them more? I mean, Pat Connaughton was exposed quite a bit, but it was a lot of, I think, Chris just feeling comfortable against him. A lot of it was like pull-up threes and things like that, where Connaughton did get a hand in his face. He finishes the game a plus two. So, you know, it wasn't as if he was Portis, who was a minus 10. And Forbes got a couple threes off. They finally went to the Giannis and Forbes two-man game in the fourth quarter for one possession. Forbes got a corner three out of it. I, I just feel like they have to do that more. They have to do a Middleton-Giannis pick and roll more. And I think the way to do that is to have a smaller lineup on the floor where you can space it. We saw the the Bucks going to a Chris Middleton post-up on, or like sort of like an elbow iso more so than a post-up against Chris Paul. That was like really what they were gunning for in the fourth quarter. They got some pretty good offense off of it. They also had some weird turnovers. Chris Paul just stripped Middleton once. So I think we'll probably see that a little bit more in game two, just uh, imagining kind of what the adjustments might be. Brooke Lopez only ended up playing 23 minutes in this game. So I think that Bud is already showing his hand there. The last thing to mention is Dario Saric got hurt, went straight to the locker room and did not come back in, I believe, the first quarter. Yeah, right away. His first couple of minutes, he only played two minutes and Kaminsky played. But then in the second half, we did not see Kaminsky, obviously, or Saric. And Torrey Craig at the five was sort of the backup for Aiton. Um, do you think that is the right call? I think we probably agree it is, but it also kind of worries me that that's not a lot of size against a Bucks team that is pretty huge when they want to be. Yeah, I hope Dario's all right. It didn't look good. Just him walking back to the locker room, just in a lot of pain. Uh, so hopefully he's fine. But yeah, I think the size, that could come back to bite them later in the series, just you know, with how depleted their big man depth is already. Uh, Kaminsky minutes were, those minutes were pretty much a disaster. So they went straight to Torrey Craig at the five, which I'm all for. I think that's part of the reason we saw Westbrook Lopez, I think, too. Just the Suns going small kind of forced, uh, you know, the Bucks to, to play in a way that they're they're not consistently playing. So um, in a way, I think it kind of worked out in the short term. But now that the Bucks are going to have some time to kind of game plan over that, there's some ways they can attack them offensively and, for the most part, defensively, I don't think the Bucks can they can make adjustments. It's, all it's going to do is just open up uh, different ways for the Suns to beat them. I don't think there's much they can do on that end other than trying to be creative. Uh, offensively, though, I think they're definitely going to try to to do some new, give some new looks and slow the pace down a little bit. Try to take the Suns out of that run and gun style that they're playing. So, yeah, overall, you know, Dario missing time would, would hurt, and uh, you know, hopefully he's good to go. But uh, I'm sure we'll get an update soon. Yeah, it's uh, it. We were talking about it with Jackson Frank on part two of the preview we did, and it's like they shouldn't care about the backup big man minutes because it shouldn't matter. But then you see, and there's minutes where Giannis is on the floor and Aiton's not on the floor, which I personally think shouldn't really be happening, especially when yeah. Aiton plays four more total minutes than Giannis, right? So it's like, you know, maybe it's just figuring out the rotation. When is Giannis going to be on the floor? I personally think he'll play more in game two now that he he said he felt fine tonight after the game. He did say he thought he was going to be out for the season when he first felt the injury happen, and now he's back and and feeling fine. So I think he'll play more, and I think it's just going to be a lot of matching Aiton to Giannis, playing small when you can hoping that Brooke Lopez isn't able to play. Bobby Portis is already looking like a liability out there. 
And I think that the Suns can wield what they're good at enough where, yes, the Bucks are big, but, you know, like you said, the Suns seem to have an answer for small, big, switching, not switching. And it's, it's, it's looking hard to see defensively what the Bucks can do. I agree with you. It's going to be more what can Milwaukee do offensively to get back into this series. And I think Suns fans will celebrate Mike Budenholzer for always taking multiple games to figure out what that's going to be. So the Suns were able to steal a double-digit win because Bud did not seem to have his players in the best position to score. And uh, we go to game two feeling pretty confident that the Suns are, are in a rhythm here. Any final thoughts for us, Brandon, before we close out? Yeah, I think just you got to take game two, protect home court, and head back to Milwaukee and just you know try to take one there, just split there and bring it back home to Phoenix for, for game five with a chance to close it out just like you did against the Clippers. Um, I know that's getting a little bit ahead of myself, but yeah, just keeping uh, the home court advantage going and jumping out to a 2-0 lead again would be huge. And um, I expect the fans to be back and just as loud as they were in game one, hopefully. Uh, yeah, let's... You know, I just need to start a petition. We're, we're counting down from 10. Please spread the word. Uh, the Suns could put on the Jumbotron. Just do something. Uh, so that's that's one way I think we could, you know, get Giannis to have a no for night after free throw line. But other than that, you know, let's record. Yeah, let's record Al McCoy or Charles Barkley or Rex Chapman, one of these people counting down and then just play that and then people can follow it. I feel like that's completely out of line, but that, that would work. Um, I don't think you're wrong to get ahead of yourself. I think every Suns fan should feel pretty confident based on what we just saw. Um, I did want to remind you folks one more time that our road to the finals while we're here, our finals coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. That will do us for today. Thank you for watching. If you decided to tune in, we're trying this during these finals recap shows. Thank you to Brandon for joining me, and I will be back on Thursday getting you ready for Game 2 with Gerald Bourget of Fansided. So we'll be back on video, we'll be back on the podcast, talking through all of it, and savor this win, folks. It's the first time I saw this, first time in Suns history that they have been leading in the NBA Finals. So enjoy that, enjoy your Wednesday, and we'll be back tomorrow.